Fans of the New England Revolution, listen up. I got a great deal to tell you about. It's the Revs Family 4-Pack. You get four tickets and four food and beverage coupons. Save up to 20% on individual tickets, and you'll get coupons valued at $68. Bring the fight. Bring the passion. Bring the joy. Bring the family. Purchase at revolutionsoccer.net slash tickets. Again, that's revolutionsoccer.net slash tickets. Or you can call 877-GET-REVS. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. We've got a great guest for you today, as I'll be joined via Zoom by FC Stars Executive Director and ECNL Girls Director, Jason Dewhurst. Jason has been with FC Stars since the club started 23 years ago. He's helped it blossom into one of the most successful club organizations in New England, and quite frankly, in the country as well. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it's appropriate for you to be joining us here on the podcast because you've got uh, a bunch of FC Stars girls ECNL teams heading out to the national playoffs this week in Washington. Uh, what's the season been like for the club? It's been a great season uh, in the ECNL. And I think we've uh, talked about this before. It's a tough season. It is a grind, um, especially, you know, the kids are in high school in the fall and then they come back. We really only have probably two to three weeks to try and get them ready for our first ECNL games in December, and then we have the showcase in um, in Florida over January. Um, so it really is about managing them, managing their load, uh, especially after the heavy high school season. And then once we come back from um, Florida in January, usually give them two to three weeks off, and then we start to prepare for the spring. And then the spring, it's it's every weekend. It's kind of nonstop and uh, we had a great year as a club, and uh, you can see that with the amount of teams we have going to the playoffs. So, is it is it five teams you have going out to Washington? Yeah, we have the U thirteen, U fourteen, U fifteen, U sixteen, U seventeen, and then we have our, uh, another U seventeen group. So we have six teams going. Wow, I mean that that's exciting times for the club, and that's all the way you know throughout the age groups. I would think um, that just breeds a lot of excitement and confidence within the group of kids. I mean, they're all involved. It's not just one dominant age group. You have, you have five different ones. Uh, what's the level of excitement amongst the players right now? It's great. I mean, uh, for, for some of the older ones, they've, they've obviously been there before. For the younger ones, it's new to them. So it was actually we were discussing it as coaches last night, uh, kind of just um, put it in perspective for the younger ones just to calm down a little bit. I mean, right now we're in the mode of uh, obviously preparing for it, but making sure that we're physically ready after the, uh, the season that we had. I mean, we went to the PDA showcase in New Jersey, um, which is the ECNL National Showcase over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for the teams that went there, we gave them 10 days off afterwards uh, just to recover. And then we started and we will probably only have five training sessions uh, as teams before we go to Seattle. But I mean, that's really all we need. So it's just it's just touching up on stuff that we've uh, we've been doing throughout the year. And our kind of motto was even after the 10 days off, you know, you should be ready to go to Seattle now anyway, because we've uh, we've had a long season. Yeah, at this point in the season, is it kind of like what you are is what you are? I mean, it's not like you're going to change your identity. It's not like you're going to change your style. Your teams know who they are and how they want to play, so you can get away with with that lack of training sessions, right? 
Yeah, for sure. It's just touching on stuff. I mean, we have our principles of play and we, we continue to drive that into the, the players and they know that. So again, it's just touching up on those different things to make sure that everybody's on the same page when we get there. One thing I kind of marvel at, and it quite frankly makes me a little jealous thinking back to when I was a, a kid in high school, the amount of traveling these these kids get to do. I mean, they're, <laughs> they get to see the country. I mean, they're going to fly cross-country to Washington um, from New England to Washington. That's a, that's a heck of a flight, about as far as it gets in this country. How do they handle the flights and the, the, the you know, packing up and being out there away from their home for that long? Are they, are they pretty much acclimated to it at this point? I would say the older kids are for sure. The younger younger kids, it's going to be interesting. We'll see how the U13s and the U14s do it. I mean, the youth, our U13s, to be honest, haven't really traveled that much this year. Um, our U14s uh, haven't really either. So uh, for them, it, it's a long trip. It's it's an exciting trip for them, and I think it is for the families too. Um, but again, it's it's not easy You're going out there, um, not sleeping in your own bed. You know, playing against teams from around the, uh, all over the country. You know, the draw came out yesterday. Um, so we've got some really tough brackets. But at the end of the day, we've said this: it doesn't. The draw for for us doesn't really make that much of a difference because every game is going to be tough. So we've got to make sure that we're ready to compete and um, and make sure that you know we continue to just drive into them. The habits now of what they do outside of what we were doing in training, you know, the hydration, the sleep patterns, nutrition, and so on and so on. And then for the older kids, it's some of them have got uh, finals right now and, and so on and so on. So it's, it's again, just managing their load in regards to not just the training environment, but also kind of the, the mental environment too, just making sure that their brains are free to go when we play. Two-part question here. How's the draw looking you know, through your lens, how do you feel like your teams, uh, how do you feel about what's in front of your teams? And number two, can you just kind of break down what um, the structure of the competition will be like when you get to Washington? What, uh, how many games are you guaranteed? What's the situation like there? Every group, um, the 13s, 14s, um, 15s, and 17s are in the Champions League, which is the uh, um, kind of the top platform when you get there. And that is a, a group stage. So it's a group stage where you play three games, you're drawn into a group of four. So you'll play three games over four days. And then uh, if you finish the top of the group, then you will move on to a fourth game, um, which if you win that will end up taking you to the final eight in Richmond, which is uh, in July. So the final eight teams. So right now in the Champions League, 44 teams um, from around the country in, in each age group qualify. Uh, out of over a hundred, and um, and we're lucky enough to have those those age groups in that. Then um, our under sixteen blue and our under seventeen white, they're in the um, in the North American, I believe. And what there is is that that championship is um, is played out in Seattle. So it's kind of if you win, you move on. If you lose, then you play uh, kind of the consolation game against whoever lost in the other side of the bracket. And uh, everybody gets three games, a guaranteed three games out there. So, Considering these players are teenagers and, you know, they're still developing their talents and their, their fitness and everything, do you sense at this time of year, is there any fatigue or are they pretty much just running on high and ready to go and ready for whatever challenges there are? No, there's some fatigue for sure. Yeah, I mean, we trained last night. My under seventeen group trained last night, and and I could see that they were, you know, uh, you can see they're a little tired. Yeah. So 
I think that's for us and, and for me specifically looking at our groups, speaking to the coaches and making sure that we, um, we're training the right amount that we need to. Uh, and the load for these players is is really, really key. So, I mean, an example would be that for my 17s, looking at them last night, uh, we were meant to train tonight and we're not going to train. Right. So we're giving them a Is that one of those deals where you have to be, as coaches, flexible and just react to what you see in front of you? I mean, you can't just throw out a, a weekly schedule right now. You kind of have to see what's in front of you with what these players are looking like and feeling like, right? Yeah. And, I th- and you know, to be honest, that um, – that's really no different throughout the year too, though. I mean, we come up with a, with a schedule, so we'll send out a monthly schedule. And then, but the parents know uh, and the players know that that could change. Really depends on how many games we've played um, and how we're looking in, in some of the training sessions. Do these players need some time off, which for sure they do at times. And I think sometimes, you know, we've evolved. Well, I, actually, I've evolved and our club has evolved um, over the past probably seven years in regards to that, starting to understand the load of, uh, of training for players and games because we were, you know, as soon as the high school season finished five, seven years ago, we were gung-ho and ready to go when we wanted to get them back in and we were going and and we found out come May, the, these kids were, were spent. So it is. So what we do throughout the year is no different than what we're doing right now. But yes, you know, as coaches, we've got to be flexible and also as families, they need to be flexible too. I was down at the ECNL boys event in Richmond last month. And the thing that stuck out to me, you know, you have the three games in three days, but it was also 90 degrees with blazing sun every day in, in Washington. I would think it probably won't be as hot. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty rainy out there in the Northwest, but have you looked at the weather at all? Are you happy that it's in the Northwest and not in a hot Southern climate? Yes. So we, yeah, we're, uh, we've, we've been looking at that. So um, I think the highs, highs there throughout the day will be around 66. So for perfect. us, we yeah. were actually talking about last night as a staff. So that's perfect for us. We had it, uh, the playoffs last year in Florida and uh, that, was, that was tough. Yeah. That was tough. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing also that sticks out to me about FC Stars is the fact that you guys not only have the blue side, you have the white side. Um, that goes to show just how deep the club has gotten. Um, the fact that you can have that much wealth of talent that you can spread amongst two sides at different age groups. How did you guys get to that point? And, um, you know, what was the thought process? Cause not, I, I mean, I don't know of many clubs that do that, right? I mean, you guys are kind of unique in new England with that. Yeah, for sure. In new England. Um, and, and probably in the region too. I mean, there's only one other club, um, kind of in the, um, down the Northeast corridor that has it. And that's PDA in New Jersey. Um, so we're lucky enough to have that. We've had it for, I believe three years now. Um, and, you know, I think we're, we're very, well, I'm very, very lucky. The club's very lucky that we have the amount of talent that we do when we were, when we were given the, uh, the, the two clubs, we obviously had the first one, which was the blue. And then we had some very, very successful MPL teams, which were going to national championships with the U.S. club and so on and so on. So uh, that platform for us moved into the white. And we were kind of off the bat. We were very successful because we had very good players. And it's kind of evolved since then. And um, yeah, for I mean, and, you know, to put it in perspective, it's it's our you know you can say 
our second platform. So you can say our blue is our first one, our white is our second, but there's really not that much between them. Um, but that's how it's perceived. Our second platform in the white is competing against everybody else's first platform and, and doing very well. So, um, yeah, I mean, our white side, I thought had a great year this year and we're continuing to grow. And, and obviously our blue side did too. So yeah, we're very lucky in regards to that. And, um, uh, we're, we're very aware that we need to have success. Because, you know, the ECNL platform is a, is, a, is a tough environment. And if our one of our platforms is, is really struggling, then I'm sure the ECNL will come back to us and say, listen, your player pool right now uh, isn't where it needs to be. But um, we're lucky enough that it is. So we're going to continue to, uh, to grow with that. Wow. So that's, actual, that's an actual possibility within ECNL. If, you're, if your sides aren't, aren't playing up to maybe the standard they need to, that could actually happen. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. I'm yeah. sure that there would be a phone call. Um, you know, I'm on the board of the ECNL, so um, obviously we, we continue to look at that throughout the league. But um, again, for us on, on our side, we've been very, very lucky. And a lot of that, a lot of that goes down to our staff. I mean, I think I, I have one of the best staffs in the country, I believe. So um, it's down to them as and the players' parents. Having the two sides within the club, blue and white, how much – uh, frame it the right way. How much friendly rivalry, maybe friendly competition is there amongst the players within the club? I mean, when blue faces white or you're on white, you're on blue, how much do you look at the other team and say, I want to beat them. I want to show I'm better than them. I mean, does that exist within the club? Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Figured it yeah, worked. For sure it does. Uh, with the players, uh, with the parents and also with the staff. I mean, that's the thing with, with the staff. I think we're, we are as successful as we are because of the staff. And, um, you know, if they didn't take those um, those games seriously when just because it's within the club, then then we wouldn't be who we are. So, yes, there is definite. Um, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah. They are fun to watch. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe I spoke to Graham uh, Blackman recently and I, I thought he I thought he told me that every player in the 18, 19 age group who's in the class of 2022 um, is committed to a to play in college. I, I think there might have been one who's going to a NESCAC school that may not necessarily be playing. But is that correct that all those players are committed? Yes. Wow. Yep. Uh, yeah. We. Uh, I think we do a really good job in regards to the college commitment. Um, you know, obviously it's not perfect, but um, if you look at our college list on the website and and so on, um, we have a really really good representation. I think we have a very good networks with the college coaches and. And I always say to my staff that whenever they speak to a college coach, um, it's really important that they're upfront and honest with that college coach because that can come back and bite you if you're not. So, <laughs> sure. you know, sometimes it's it's a tough tough conversation to say, yeah, you know what, this this could probably we don't think is at your level. And there's nothing wrong with having that conversation because, and I think that you earn the respect of the college coaches by doing that. And I think we've we have that. You've been in on the ground floor with FC Stars. Obviously, we touched on that in the intro. Uh, Twenty-three years with the club. Yeah. What What was the the vision when the club started? Um, you know, what did you kind of hope to accomplish when you started this whole thing? Um, whew, that's a that's a that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think really, first off, just getting something off the ground. And to be honest, I didn't really know much about the club scene in 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 America, um, or obviously Massachusetts. So. Um, 
really wanted to focus on kind of building something from the ground up. Um, but when we when I first started the club, it was with a, a group of players that were older. They were U16. Um, but that team had a lot of success and we actually went on to win a national championship. Um, but we started from, from the bottom and in regards to the junior academy. And uh, that's how we kind of grew the junior academy and started our younger teams from there. And then I started to bring in staff uh, when needed. And um, the vision was... The vision always has always been to have success. I mean, and people can say that, you know, it's not about winning and losing. And I agree with that to, to an, as, an aspect, but I, I do believe that um, winning is important. I do believe that success is important. Um, and we kind of instill that in, in our club uh, through all of our platforms. And, and what I think what that does too, when you, you know, there's accountability in our club. And I think that's life lessons for, for, um, for young players, whether it's on the girls or the boys moving forward into life, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what really is important here. Is it too? I mean, at this level too, with, with high level club soccer, I mean, these are all serious players. Um, so is, is it taboo to say winning is important? Cause I think we all, I mean, winning you do, they do want to win and these kids are playing against high level players. So winning really, it, it is, it is important at that level though. Right. I mean, as much as we try to say development is too, but winning is important. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I, there, there are many people that disagree with me in regards to that, but right. winning for me is, is very important. Sure. New England's soccer journals, The Goal, will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerhead's New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Serious Radio Comedy and Jim Roberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. 
inspiring, informative, insightful. The college commitment aspect of it, that's really like a, a primary thing for you guys as coaches, right? I mean, because these kids have aspirations to move on to the next level. So when you can get that many kids committed to the next level, especially whether it be D1, D2, D3, that's all high-level college soccer. If you're playing, that's an accomplishment. How important is that aspect of it to you guys? It's very important because, you know, a lot of these players and, and, and not just the players, but the families, they sacrifice so much in regards to um, everything on a daily basis, the travel that we have, the financial aspect. Uh, the time away from from their spouses. I mean, you know, there, there there's a lot of uh, a lot of that. So at the end of the day, they do that because the majority of them want to go on and play in college. And like you said, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. You know, for us, that's not really that important in regards to if it is Division One or Division Two, II, Division Three, because there are a lot of great Division Three schools out there, and we kind of stress that to uh, to our players on a kind of regular basis too when we're when we're discussing college. And same with the Division Two; it doesn't always have to be Division One. Now we have a, a ton of kids that go Division One, but we also have a ton of kids that go Division Two, II, Division Three, and it's got to be the right fit for them um, academically and obviously financially. And uh, but it, it is. It's key. I mean, it really, you know, you, you work really, really hard for uh, a number of years uh, to try and get to that uh, to that that place. And then from college, um, we've had players that have obviously gone off to, um, you know, play on national teams and um, playing the pros. So, yeah, it's important. In, in these last, you know, two plus decades, is there a, a year or, or a, a point in time that you can point to that kind of showed you that this club really was going in the direction that you wanted to? I mean, how long did it take for you guys to get to be at this level that you, that you want to remain at? Did it take a long time? Was it a slow process? Or? Yeah, it was, it was a slow process and it was organic. I would say, um, you know, we, I think we've always had good teams. Um, but I do believe that when we, when we got our facility, um, you know, we have four turf fields with lights right now um, in, in Lancaster. And that's where, uh, I would the majority of you know our central programs, our ECNL programs on the boys and girls, um, our MPLs, they're out of there. We obviously have our different regions around the state too, but that were, for me was a game changer in regards to our training environment because I mean we stress that the training environment is for me the most important thing um, because that you know gets them ready for for games. So that kind of changed. Um, the mindset of a club, you know, we weren't reliant on different facilities around the state and, um, okay, well, you can't come this, this day because we've got somebody else coming in and so on and so on. So our, our different regions around the state too, they utilize our, our complex, um, in Lancaster. So yeah, I would say that that, um, was definitely a game changer for us. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about your, your soccer background. Um, what was kind of your your upbringing like and, and your introduction into the game? Oof, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I played soccer since I was well football in England. Since, <laughs> um, you know, five years old. I um, I ended up playing uh, professionally for Preston North End. Um, 
didn't work out there. I, you know, finally realized wasn't good enough. So I moved <laughs> on to uh, the kind of the uh, the non-league aspect. But uh, just before I came to America, uh, I ended up coaching for Preston North End, which uh, they're in the championship right now, their center of excellence. So they wanted to bring a local lad in, which myself, who'd been with the club, and I, I was with the club for uh, probably around 12 years. And, um, and I worked at their center of excellence co- uh, coaching for a couple of years. And then I, I came here just uh, through the summer and um, and met my wife and that was kind of it. So went back and, and spoke to Preston and said I wouldn't be uh, renewing my contract and coming back and then moved back here. And that was really where it came from. So what when you started coaching in the in the States here, I mean, obviously, we're 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 not quite to the level that you know European countries are necessarily yet. We're we're we're, we're progress to get to that point. What stuck out to you about what soccer was like in the United States and and the potential that was there for for a lot of these players? Oh, the potential was definitely there. I mean, for sure. Um, I really didn't know what to expect when I first came here, um, and I literally just worked camps. But then I started to ingrain myself into it a lot, and. Um, yeah, on the on the boys' side, it was definitely growing. The, the interesting thing for me is that coming from England, you know, twenty three to twenty five years ago, uh, girls didn't really play soccer um, in England. So coming here and seeing uh, so many play here was uh, kind of mind boggling to an extent. I didn't really know um, what to think of it, and, and obviously it was fantastic. And uh, I'd never coached girls. Um, before I came here and then I was actually coaching on the boys side ODP and then a girls team opened up and they said you want to coach uh, this team I was like yeah for sure and um, that's how we kind of just um, flourished from there so how important do you think the the club atmosphere uh, you know clubs like you guys uh, all the other ECNL clubs the the academies how important has that been? Because I remember, you know, I always, I always talk about this with coaches. When I was growing up playing the game in the late 90s, I mean, it, it, you had your clubs, but it wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is now. You didn't have nearly the um, participation you have now. How, how important has that been to develop the, the game in this, in this country? Well, the club aspect is key. Um, it really is. So, and then everybody, you know, when they become part of a club and, you know, our young, the younger players see the older players, they look up to them, um, you know, that kind of uh, that has them something to strive for. On the coaching education side of things, I think is key in regards to new coaches coming through, being able to go and watch some of the established coaches within the club too. So having that club environment is is really, really key. And again, like I said before, for us, that game changer, I think, was our facility. So we have um, a lot of co- a lot of coaches working at the same time there. It's great for um, our younger coaches to come and watch. And then on the other side of things too, for our uh, our younger kids, you know, for our U13s to go and watch our U16 or U17 teams, which, um, you know, the U17 team right now has got probably, I think, nine Division One college commitments on there. For those kids to go and watch them and strive to be like them is, is key. But that only comes from a, a club environment. It's tough to do that when you're kind of spread out everywhere. So, Sure. Well, let's circle back to this, uh, this trip to Washington for the playoffs. Yeah. What, take me inside what, what the packing situation is like. Are you just throwing in a bunch of comfortable clothes and some coaching clothes? I mean, what, what, do, you do, for, what do you do for outfits while you're out there? Uh, yeah, it's a number of outfits for <laughs> obviously the, the fields. Uh, packing the balls, 
back in the pennies, back in the cones, um, everything like that. You know, we've got to take care of all of that too for um, for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, we again, like I said to you before, I think we we could end up being there for eight days. The coaching staff together, we have um, eight coaching staff going, eight coaches going. So, um, you know, and not all of them will be uh, coaching a team; they'll be there to scout. Uh, our opposition teams, which I think is, you know, really, really important for us. And then we will, uh, we will put scouting reports together for our players in the evening and send it through to them after the, uh, after we uh, sit down as a staff after the, the day's over. Um, so yeah, you know, having um, eight staff members going out there trying to get all the balls, pennies, cones and, and so on and so on. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it's not easy, but it's fun. What's the downtime like in the in the meal situations? Are you guys are, when you're not playing matches? I know you guys are pouring over film and, and trying to get scouting reports ready. But for the for the players, what is their downtime like? I mean, are they getting free time in between matches? Are they just trying to recover their bodies? What's the situation? Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we have our kind of recovery models. Um, so they'll play the game. Um, They'll, you know, we talk about the nutrition. We, we need them to eat something within 30 minutes after the game. They, they'll go back to the hotel. If there's a pool, they'll have the pool workout, um, ice bath if needed, uh, rollout session. And then um, the rest of the day is kind of just theirs until we uh, kind of talk about the opposition for the next day. And also, too, I mean, it's great when you've got that many teams out there that some of them will stay um, and watch games as well, which which is key. And, and also the, uh, the temperature out there is going to help with that because, you know, we don't really want them doing that if it's 110 degrees outside, but when it's, you know, middle of the sixties. So it's going to be great that they can uh, watch the rest of the games too. And, and just overall expectations for you while you're out there. I mean, I, I assume you must feel pretty good about where your teams are at and, and the chances they have, but what are kind of your, your, your hopes for this, for this upcoming trip? Yeah, I mean, we, we're obviously looking to compete because it is it is the highest level and um, we're looking to make it through the groups. That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, and, you know, with the group stage, it's good because, you know, there's four very good teams in every every uh, every group. So we kind of say if you win your first game doesn't mean you're going through. If you lose your first game doesn't mean you're going home. So it's, it's going to be one of them where it'll come down to the three games and, you know, our goal is to make it through um, all of those groups. Is it, have these players, have they l- learned how to compartmentalize the losses and the wins? I mean, have they, have they done a pretty good job in your estimation? If they lose on a weekend like this, they can battle back and recover pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, th- I think the ECNL as a whole, uh, the, our conference really helps with that because you're not going to win every game in conference. It, it, it's just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you are going to lose some games in our conference because it's, it's just too strong not to. Um, and to be honest, that's a good thing, in my opinion, uh, because everybody is beating everybody else. And that's why it's such a tight conference. But what that does, that, um, you know, it makes the players learn from that. And, you know, if you're winning on a, just a constant basis, um, then I don't think, I, I really don't think that's a good thing. Because um, you need to, there needs to be bounce back. There needs to be adversity, and our conference for sure gives you that adversity. So, I mean, you can have a, you know, a two-game weekend, and you can be fantastic on Saturday and win. And but if you don't show up Sunday, then then you're going to lose. 
Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck out there. I know, I know your teams have been great all season, and um, I expect nothing less of them performing well out there. But, um, Jason, I really appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks again to Jason Dewhurst for joining the podcast and engaging in a great conversation. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.